before you this night. And once again, we thank you for your blessings upon us, your protection over us. And Lord, as we investigate your word, this may be some very familiar ground to some of us. But Lord, we just ask that you would encourage us and strengthen us in your service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right, why don't we take our Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and don't forget, after the evening service Sunday night, uh, bring some ice cream with you to the service, and we'll just put it all out on a table and share that together afterwards, and try to have a, a little bit of time of just fellowship as brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, what we're doing on Thursday night is going through a series a little bit different than it's been taught before, but uh, searching for the true church. Now, we've been through here. Everybody says their church is the right church. I remember uh, while I was a Bible college student, uh, we were working in one of the uh, ladies I was working with as a nurse's aide in, uh, in the uh, nursing home, she said, See here, it says, The churches of Christ salute you. I go to the church of Christ. That's talking about my church. And uh, I started snickering, and then I caught myself, and I tried not to, to be rude. I said, uh, That's not true. The churches of Christ, disciples of Christ, were founded by a man named Alexander Campbell, who lived in the 1820s. There was no such thing uh, as a, quote-unquote, Church of Christ that believed what they believed before Alexander Campbell. In fact, they were called Campbellites at first. And uh, uh, the historic name that was often used in the early 17 and, and 1600s was Christ Church, no relation to the Church of Christ. Uh, and uh, so we, we have a lot of people making a lot of claims, and what we're looking for is the biblical characteristics, the biblical distinctives, as we call them, Baptist distinctives, and number one is believers' baptism the authority of Scripture, the priesthood of the believer. Last week we spent on two officers and two ordinances, a very simple organization as a church. And and, uh, we have, just using the uh, acrostic Baptist to put this together, uh, nothing sacred or biblical about this. It just works out that way in, in my notes. And since they're my notes, I'll just teach them that way. Amen. And uh, we get to the word, the letter I, and, and we want to talk about independent local churches. Oftentimes in New York City, one of the first questions people ask you is, what denomination are you? And uh, we say, well, we're, we're independent Baptists. Well, what's that? Well, it means that we are independent churches that historically qualify for the word Baptist. And I've had different people over the years saying, you know, the word Baptist has a lot of bad connotations. 
in uh, New York City, and there there's some really bad people that use the name Baptist. And uh, I said, yeah, there there really are. Uh, one of them was president of the United States. Well, in fact, two of them. We had Dirty Mouth Harry Truman, who was a Baptist, and uh, Bill Clinton. And uh, I, I don't know how I'll say this kindly, the most ignorant man that ever sat in the White House, Jimmy Carter, all claimed to be Baptist. And, and uh, that's not a very good track record. So why do we use the name? Because these people don't define the word. How many of you remember Al Sharpton? He wanted to run for mayor of New York City, had his people go through the voting records in New York City, and you know what he found out? There were more registered voters that claimed to be Baptist in New York City than Pentecostal, which was Mr. Sharpton's. I I refuse to call him a reverend. There's nothing reverend about the man. Uh, He found out there were more registered Baptists, so he called his friend over at uh, First Baptist Church in Harlem and said, hey, I want to become a Baptist because I'll appeal to more people when I run for mayor. You know what? That's not what being a Baptist is. Aren't you glad about that? I think I've told the story years ago when we were in the old building. I had a man show up and he said, I want to become a member of your church. And I said, really? He says, and I want you to find me a wife. I said, well, I don't do that. He says, you don't understand. He says, I got a lot of money. I said, you don't understand. I said, there's the door. Uh, I said, that's not what church is about. We don't want that kind of person coming to church. You don't come to church to get a husband or a wife. Now, we've had some people that have found a husband or a wife in church. And we're very good about, we're very thankful about that. And, but it's got to be God's plan, God's way. And if you're only serving God because you're looking for someone to live with, that's not much of a reason to serve the Lord, now is it? You see, being a Bible believing Christian is a little deeper has a little more responsibility. In fact, that's one of the reasons why we scare people away sometimes. They'll come and say, now what kind of programs do you have? I said, well, we've got one main program at our church. It's called the teaching and preaching of the Bible. Oh, yeah, 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 I know everybody does that. I said, not like we do. I said, you actually have responsibility. And you can just hear it getting real quiet. You know, the Bible expects you to alter behavior. Amen? I've often used this illustration. If Jesus decided to sleep the next month on your couch in the living room, would anything change about the way you carry yourself and the things that go on in your apartment or your house. If you have to stop and think about that, that may be a warning sign that some things ought to change because he doesn't just sleep on the couch. He lives inside of us. Amen? And this is where we get with this 
where we're going here is when the church is explained in the Scriptures, the illustration is the human body. There's a reason why the Apostle Paul in Corinthians and the book of Romans, both chapter 12, by the way, uses the body as an illustration, as the, the picture, the living example to help us understand about the church. And one of the reasons is everybody has one. Amen? And your body is something that you understand a, a little bit about. Um, because you have to take care of it. And, and it's got a lot of parts. And uh, the best thing is that they stay all attached. Amen? I mean, it's pretty, it's, it's not a good thing when, when uh, the glass eye has to come out and soak in the thing and the teeth come out and the prosthetics removed and, uh, and, and there's only half a person left at the end of the day. That's, that's not the way life ought to be. Amen? Uh, you want to keep your appendages and you want them to work as you get older uh, you discover pains in places that you never had them before. But you need to be thankful. Because it's still there. Amen? And uh, there's a lot of people that lose feet and toes and arms and legs and all of those things because of disease. And, and uh, yet, here's the picture. is the human body. And we start here... In 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Now, now Paul was really sweet about that, wasn't he? I mean, he had read Dale Carnegie's book, and he was just being very... No, he, he said, a bunch of dumb idols, you followed these things. He said, now you got something better. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. And I would have you understand that when Paul is saying this, He's not talking about just uttering words. He's talking about what you believe and what you live. You know, you don't have to say Jesus is accursed to bring reproach upon his name, do you? And later on, we'll get to Revelation chapter 3 and Revelation chapter 2 when he talks to the churches and we're going to find out that there was a uh, a great deal of latitude and a great deal of problems that were in many of these churches, yet Jesus still claimed them as his own. But when you say that Jesus is Lord, what you're saying is, I am under his authority. That's really different than just putting a bumper sticker on that says Jesus is Lord, is it not? And that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. And he says, now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operation, but it is the same God which worketh 
all in all. And it goes to give and list these different gifts. And we come down to uh, verse 11. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being members, being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. And he goes on to compare it. Aren't you glad that this doesn't happen in real life, that your foot argues with your eye, and your eye argues with the ear, and your hands argue with other parts of your body, saying, I want to be something different. And I've often tried to explain it this way when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit. You say, how do I know what my spiritual gifts are? Well, it's very simple. Just get serving where you're at. You know, when, when that baby is conceived in the womb, at conception, at that moment, there's only one cell. And yet, every bit of information, how long you live, what color your hair is, whether it's wavy and curls or whether it waves goodbye later on, all of that's written in your DNA code at that instant of conception. The cell groups don't fight over each other on what they are going to do. It happens naturally. Uh, I passed my first pro-life billboard in New York City the other day. I said, wow, one of the kids, I think Andrew saw it and said, look, Dad, look at that thing. It said, you can hear his heartbeat 18 days. I mean, not hear his heartbeat, but his heart begins to beat 18 days from conception. You see, that's life. It's a gift from God. And God will grow you into a place of service. Now, most of us do not, uh, how should I say it? Most of us men do not give a lot of thought to our skin. Uh, hand creams and all of those things, they stink as far as I'm concerned. But ladies love that stuff. And, and there's supposed to be stuff you put on here and stuff you put under here. And then you put something different. I hear all the ads on the radio. And, and uh, every one of them does something else to make your skin most beautiful. But how many of you know what the most important function of your skin is? is to keep infection on the outside. That's why your feet are so important, right, Philip? He stepped on something and got a rather serious infection in his foot. He just finished the antibiotics today, right? Or yesterday. And uh, you know why? He punctured the skin. An infection got in. 
How exciting is it to be skinned? I mean, do you just wake up every morning going, Wow, I protect this body from infection. I've got so many functions to do. You see, when we talk about service in the local church, are you getting the point? Not everybody does something exciting. But it's absolutely urgent that you perform your job under the direction of the Holy Spirit of God. Can we say amen to that? Say, but it's boring. Oh, let me tell you, sepsis is not boring, but you just don't want to go there. That's when the infection gets past your skin into your blood. And if you don't get that taken care of, you die. Because the infection on the outside of the skin does absolutely nothing. But when it gets on the inside, gets past that barrier. Do you know how many times we've had people come into our church over the years? I remember one time somebody came and said, Pastor, do you know that so-and-so invited me to a different church? I said, really? I said, maybe I ought to talk to so-and-so about this. And uh, so I I found him and I said, "Uh, someone said you invited them to uh, a different church. He said, yeah, I show up to your church, but my my church is the Reformed Church and I, I really like it better and I've invited people to that church and... I said, you do not come to services at our church and use the people, use the opportunities you have by being here to invite people to go to other churches. I said, that's just not ethical, number one. And number two, that's not biblical. I said, we don't argue about doctrine at Open Door Bible Baptist Church, and we despise Reformation doctrine and Reformation people. We are not Reformed. We're not Calvinist here. Well, it's a free country. I said, do it again, and I'll get up in the pulpit and I'll call your name. He said, you'd do that? I said, yes, I would. Because part of the pastor's job is to protect people from liars and deceivers like you. You say, that, you're, you did that? Yeah, I did that. Actually, I did it in the post office because that was the only place I found him. I think I scared the living daylights out of him. He hadn't been back since. But if somebody hadn't told me, he would have led other people away from our church into that thing. It's one of the most... uh, A friend of mine in Ohio, he he said, if you want to understand Calvinism, he said, let me help you. All Calvinists are liars. And uh, I found that to be true. So very true. It's a scary, scary doctrine. And yet, here's what happens. Is we serve Christ together as parts of a body. Maybe your part is a little more boring than you would like. But just be patient. 
and be glad that you weren't carrying 80-pound sacks of shingles in today. Amen? Like Brother Darren, Brother CJ, and Andrew, and we had Brother Mike there for a little while, and I'll, I'll tell you what, that was part of the work. Has to be done. You see, life only comes from life. That's true of every human being that has ever been born. You say, well, it didn't happen to me. I was, I'm a test tube baby. Uh-uh. They started with something that came from a living person. And you were, grew inside a living person until you could be born. That's science fiction. This is why we don't believe that Aunt Gertrude, as spiritual as she is, has the right to baptize you in the bathtub or just to start holding Bible studies in her apartment because she can't find something that she likes in the neighborhood. The Bible says that you need to submit yourself to the authority and the organization of an independent local church. You see, they take verse 12 here and said, we have all been baptized into one body, we've all drank of one spirit, and they talk about the universal, invisible body of Christ that extends all over the world. Now, let me ask you a question. If that were true, if the body of Christ actually extends all over the world, would it not then be my responsibility to deal with problems in other people's churches. Just like it's my responsibility that if I have an infection in my foot like Philip did, that's got to be dealt with before the infection moves out of the foot and comes up the leg and moves to the heart because it's connected. You see, the doctrine of the local church says my responsibilities for doctrinal purity... I have a relationship between me and God and between me and the other members of my church. And we are to strive together as a local church responsible directly to Christ for how we live. That's why you often hear me say, we have other churches around and and I can't, uh, we recommend maybe you go there sometimes to say uh, with reservations when you're traveling I'll often say, hey, I found a church that's in the area, but uh, I haven't had any contact with the pastor in about ten years. So be careful. Uh, you may find some really weird stuff there. And, and it's always wonderful when somebody comes back and said, oh, pastor, it was just like being at home. Hey, I love that. And, and I've had the privilege of meeting pastors and being in churches. And one of the things that is absolutely wonderful is when we have Bible doctrine, it's just like being a member of the family. But guess what? I'm not a member of that church. If they're having communion and I happen to stop by for a visit, then they have communion. Because communion is a local church ordinance. It's practiced in the body. And 
That's what we call closed communion. And uh, if you want to know, go back to the lesson on baptism. We do not accept alien immersion. And boy, that's a term that really throws some people off. And, uh, but most people that have studied their Bible know exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about non-Baptist baptism. You see, doctrine is important. Life comes from life. You know what? I know. I can prove, according to the Bible, that you and I have a common ancestor in Noah. Now, does anybody want to come up with the paperwork to prove it? Uh, Don't think you can. We have a common ancestor in Adam. And, by the way, if you're a child of God through faith, we have a common ancestor in Abraham. Well, how did that work out? Well, it's not through blood. It's not through DNA. It's through faith. You see, there's a pattern to faith because faith is response to this book called the Bible. And the practicality of this universal invisible church means that I would have to spend every moment checking out every other church in the whole world trying to make sure that they're all right. And that would preclude any type of ministry here at home. In fact, I couldn't even be a pastor. I would have to be a judge. And there's some verses in the Bible that talk about not being a judge. That's not desirable. We're supposed to be followers of Christ. This is how, and let's just go uh, quickly here. I'm going to get lost in, down to verse 27. And, and this verse clarifies this whole thing. If you just read your Bible, it says, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Whenever I point this out to someone, I always like to ask the question, does ye include we? See, in verse 12, it says, we are all baptized by one spirit into one body. We. Here, he says, ye are the body of Christ. Oh, we got a difference here, don't we? We have... A uh, dichotomy, if you like big words. Uh, We have a, a conflict, or do we? Well, you see, we start out with the authority of Scripture, and we don't believe there's a conflict. You see, if you're saved, you're saved only one way. Through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? The same Holy Spirit saved you that saved me that saved the Apostle Peter. We have a like common faith, according to Jude. We're related by faith in Abraham, according to the book of Galatians. But we're not in heaven yet. In heaven, we'll all be assembled together in one congregation. Somebody said, well, you don't believe in anything but a local church. What about the church in heaven? I said, excuse me, where is it? 
Well, it's in heaven. I said, isn't that a local place? And he looked at me, kind of, uh, silence on the other end of the phone. I said, you see, there's only one local church. And we'll be in heaven one day, but we're not there. And so God has made this thing so simple. Just like Open Door Bible Baptist Church was the only church in the whole world. That's how Jesus treats us. But guess what? He treats the Union Baptist Church the same way. Only it's sick right now, and we're trying to fix it. Uh, Sixth Avenue Baptist Church, Southwest Baptist Church, Oklahoma City. Uh, These are churches of like faith and practice. And, And we could just go on. Each church is responsible directly to Jesus Christ. Each church is a complete body. The responsibility is kept intact. How how do we work together? Well, you can look through some of these verses here. But in Romans 15, I'll just quote you the verse. Paul is saying, I'm traveling to Spain and I expect to get a love offering and to be helped on my way to Spain as I stop in Rome. Well, there's only one problem. How did Paul get to Rome? In chains, according to the will of God, because he got to witness even in Caesar's household. And there's biblical evidence that Paul traveled to Spain after he was released at the end of the book of Acts. Uh, there's some that claim that he went all the way to Wales in the, in the British Isles and started a church there. And we'll talk about that when we talk about the history uh, of the church. But churches work together. We support right now about 77 different missionaries and organizations. Uh, I, I love to use the uh, example of Heartland Baptist Bible College uh, because the Bible College itself is technically owned by a fellowship of pastors called the Friends of Heartland. There's about 500 churches that sometime participate in that fellowship by sending money and, and other things to the support of Heartland Baptist Bible College. There's about 250 to 300 churches that support it on a monthly basis or give yearly to the May offering, uh, and, and that's consistent. And the reason I love to send people to Heartland to prepare for the ministry is because they get influenced by all kinds of different pastors. And every once in a while, my kids will come up and say, call me up and say, Dad, you won't believe the nutcase that preached in chapel today. That was the weirdest sermon I ever heard. And they'll go on to, is that biblical? And I'll sit there and go, well, um, you know... There's a lot of latitude in Baptist churches, and sometimes people just get a little off on a few things. But usually we'll find some point that the preacher was really trying to emphasize that truly was biblical, and he was trying very hard. And, you know, sometimes we just try really hard, and it doesn't come out quite right. And don't say amen to that, all right? But it does happen. And... uh, 
But you need to understand preachers are humans. They're not gods. And we serve Christ together. And the cooperation that these churches provide allow Heartland to have a set of professors and people that administrate it that could not be accomplished if only one church were running the school in the way that some of the other schools are run. And so we cooperate. But you know what? Brother Sam's never called me up and said, Brother Pete, I want you to preach on such and such a passage. He'd never even think about doing that. Because we believe in independent local churches. We cooperate. I, try, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even begin to add up all of the different churches that support all of the missionaries that we support. You take about 75 missions and we got, let's say, uh, 250 churches with Heartland. We got other missionaries that don't have one church on that list that support them. How did we meet them? Well, we believe the same doctrinally. We practice the same. We just have different circles that we fellowship in. And guess what? We reach between those circles and we fellowship and cooperate with churches just like they did in the book of Acts. Paul took offerings. That's what 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is all about. And he said, listen, if you want to send your own people with the offering, that's fine. If you don't, we'll, we'll just take it for you to Jerusalem. And Paul even said in Philippians chapter 1, he said, there are some that preach the gospel out of contention, hoping to add affliction to my bonds. And you know what Paul said? He said, I'm glad the gospel's still being preached, even if they're doing it the wrong way. That doesn't mean he was promoting that kind of thing. But not everybody is an enemy, my friend. I love the way Brother Clayton said it. I can't think of any better way. He says, I believe what you believe. He said, I'm just not mad about it. And I really... You've met preachers like that, haven't you? It's a scary thing. It's like they're just looking for some excuse to clobber you. We don't need that kind of spirit. What we want to do is serve the Lord. You see, I don't have a responsibility to straighten out brother so-and-so down the street. Because we got too many things to keep straight right here at home. Amen? And so, this is how the independent local churches function. There's no need for any other level of organization... There's no need for levels of administration. Uh, I love telling the story. Guy said, I want to speak to your boss. And uh, I said, uh, sure. I said, the church, church altar's right here. No, no, I'm talking about Larry Clayton. And I said, well, uh, he's, he's not my boss. He's the man that trained me in the ministry. Well, I want him to straighten you out. I said, 
I'm not going to give you the phone number to waste the guy's time. Because you won't like what he says to you, because it won't be nice. He says, well, who, who are you in, who's in charge of you? I said, we're an independent church responsible directly to Jesus. If you want to talk to my boss, get on your knees. He said, you're crazy. I said, well, you won't be the first one that said that. But I'll tell you what. Every person as a member of Open Door Bible Baptist Church has a responsibility to be true to what the Bible teaches. Don't ever give up your personal responsibility. And as a pastor, my job is to be a signpost pointing in the right direction. And guess what? God's allowed our church to do some pretty incredible things. And I got a handwritten note for Brother Sam last week. He said, I just want to thank your church and your people for your part in the May offering at Heartland. He said, there's a lot of people to give. And, and the term he used was heavy hitters. And I'm sitting there thinking, really? I don't think we qualify for heavy hitter. But we, we do give a substantial amount to that offering. And the reason why we can do that is because everybody puts a little bit in every week. Sometimes I wish I could just put the numbers up and let you see how little it takes every week to give $100,000 a year to missions. It would shock you. But, trust me, the reason it works is because we've got a whole lot of body parts out here just being faithful in their little bit. And when we be faithful in that little bit, God does a lot of bit. And you can be a part. Everybody wants to be a part of something big. I'll tell you what, it's hard to get bigger than the local church. Biblically speaking, I mean, the United States government is responsible to the people of the United States, technically. But when's the last time our government has listened? But I can get down on my knees and talk to God who created the whole universe. And His Word tells me He's obligated to listen. And every Sunday night, we give testimonies of dozens of times where God has worked. And someone might just give, God answered prayer this week. You know what? I'm glad that we don't have to give all the details. Otherwise, we'd never get through the service. Amen? But I'm glad that God, people can give testimonies. And, and people have raised their hands and said, I got a real important unspoken. Now come back. God answered my real important unspoken. And we have no idea what it is. Do you see how simple that works? Even a child can figure that out. 
Because things happen that you really can't discuss sometimes. But everybody else that's a member of this church can lift you up in prayer, not even having to know the details. And God still does His miracles. How can you get any bigger than that? How can you get higher than direct access to God? Direct responsibility to the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. You see, the local church is so simple. Our responsibilities are local. Our attachment is local. And do you mind me repeating this? If you have a body in one place and all of its pieces are together in in one room but not attached, you have an autopsy. Right? To have life, all of the pieces have to be together. They have to be attached. They have to be functioning. They have to have one specific source of life. And it works very well. Andrew and I were joking. uh, He was saying, I don't know how this works, talking about someone that had been giving us a great deal of problem. I said, multiple personalities come in real handy at a time like that. You can always switch the nice one out for the mean one and then the mean one out for the nice one. Nobody knows what's going on. Something's wrong when that happens, isn't there? But in a church, where are we supposed to get our personality and our direction? That's where the gifts of the Spirit come in. By the way, if you could do it well before you got saved, that's not a gift of the Spirit. A gift of the Spirit is something that you could not do, that you had no abilities for, that the Holy Spirit gave you special ability to serve in the local church. I met a person one time and they said, my gift is teaching, but our church doesn't need any teachers, so therefore I just have to sit and wait until they need a teacher. Where did you find that? Well, I went online and took a spiritual gift assessment and it told me that my gift was teaching. I said, oh, really? I said, could I? I I didn't because I wasn't the pastor of the church. So I kept my mouth shut and I used that as a horrid example. Because that's not the way it works. When God gives you a gift of the Spirit, it's something you don't have ability to do, but He gives you ability to do it to serve and have your church go further than it could any other way. That's how you know it's a gift of the Spirit. And I'll tell you, there's a lot fewer gifts of the Spirit than most of us perceive. But you know, one of the great gifts of the Spirit is just simple, daily faithfulness. one of the things I love. I'm looking so forward to going to Cleveland Baptist for the GIBF meeting this September because I'm going to see people I haven't seen in 20 years. 
But you know what? They're going to be sitting in the same seat they were sitting 20 years ago when I was there. 25 years ago. I got a, uh, yeah, closer to 30 years ago. Anyway, uh, time flies when you're having fun. And many of those people have gone home to be with the Lord. But I'll tell you what. It's that daily faithful service that makes your body work. Amen? Aren't you glad you don't have to explain to your skin to protect you from diseases? I mean, we're crawling around in that attic space. And uh, it is terrible up there. We thought about taking a vacuum up there and trying to clean the whole thing out. But Andrew, we were talking to say, take 50 filters just to get the dust out of there. And then when the roofers come in, we're going to have just as much dust in there as there is now. Even more. So we'll wait until after they finish and then try to clean some of it out of there. Maybe. We'll see. But you know what? God's given your body a great tolerance for a lot of things. And it protects you naturally if it's healthy. I'm glad for that. And that's the way our church works. There are so many things you'll be protected from if you'll just be faithful. And you'll just serve. And we stop worrying about all the things that are going on in all the world. Because we only have one purpose here. That is to be the body of Christ for a story. And we're hoping to give birth to the North Brooklyn Baptist Church, which will give new life to the Union Baptist Church. You, you understand how that's going to work. We want to save that church from dying. That's what we're doing right now. We've got to get the building clean and we've got to get it safe. Then we're going to have to pray like we've never prayed before because we've got to get some people there. We're getting ready to kick Brother Franz and Miss Sonia out start a new church in the Bronx. I'll tell you what, the devil doesn't like that stuff. And there's nothing you will face. There is nothing that could possibly offend you that's more important than saving the Union Baptist Church and starting the Morris Park Baptist Church. So, how, how do you say this? You don't say man up to a bunch of men and women. That doesn't work. You know what you say? Be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, those things that are so offensive can be dealt with and laid aside. You see, that's how a body works. It takes disease and gets rid of it so that the body can continue forward. All God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. We thank and praise you that the only church we need to seek is the local assembly of which we're a member. And Lord, we're thankful for the responsibility that each member has to bear. Lord, we ask that you would just make us faithful. Let us serve you in the way that you would have us to serve. 
before we finish that prayer, if you just need to slip out and spend a few moments, the altar's open. Of course, if you're here tonight and you're not sure about your salvation, we'd love to take the Bible and show you how you may know your sins are forgiven and heaven is your home.